Midterm elections in the U.S. Law in the news. The Four Legal English podcast is now in session. Midterm elections in the U.S. Law in the news. Welcome to the Four Legal English podcast. This is the show for lawyers, law students, and other professionals from all over the world who want to improve both their legal English and legal knowledge. In this podcast, we discuss different legal topics, such as law in the news, law in practice, legal writing, legal movies, and other issues. I am Timothy Barrett, your host. I was a practicing attorney in the U.S. before moving to Tbilisi, Georgia to become a law professor. I have taught law and legal English for the last several years. You can go to our website to check out the blog articles, available courses, and the show notes for this episode. It's four, as in the number four, legalenglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com. Four, legalenglish, dot com. On the docket today, we discuss the upcoming midterm elections in the United States on 8 November 2022. We will focus on the U.S. Congress, but also outline elections in the U.S. in general. What are midterm elections? What offices are being elected? What, if anything, will change after the elections in November? We'll start by talking about the U.S. Congress, then U.S. elections, and focusing on this 2022 midterm election. U.S. Congress. The U.S. Congress has two houses, so sometimes we call that bicameral, or two chambers. We have the House of Representatives and the Senate. And of course, the term Senate comes from ancient Rome, and the division of having a bicameral legislature certainly comes from the UK Parliament, which has a House of Lords and House of Commons. For a bill to become law, both chambers have to vote on it and approve it. There is an exception for new taxes. If it's a bill regarding new taxes, it must originate in the House, but it's not really clear that that's going to be enforced by the Supreme Court anymore. The Senate does have another role that it plays. It approves or rejects people nominated by the president. So these could be nominations for federal judges, cabinet ministers, or any officers of the United States. Likewise, the Senate also needs to approve or reject international treaties. And at certain times in in history, the Senate has rejected or certainly threatened to reject treaties that the president wanted to ratify, including after World War I with the League of Nations, which was one of President Wilson's primary goals at the treaty negotiations, but yet when it came to the Senate to be approved, the U.S. rejected it. They didn't want to join the League of Nations. Some modern presidents have signed treaties, but have not even submitted it to the U.S. Senate, knowing that it would be rejected. And of course, the president's signature does not mean that it's ratified. It has to be approved by the U.S. Senate. On special occasions, both chambers will sit together. Physically, they usually do this in the House of Representatives because it's a much bigger forum. 
They'll do this annually for the State of the Union Address, where the president will address Congress, but really the nation, explaining what the state of the United States is, what condition it is in. Occasionally, Congress may invite foreign leaders or diplomats to address both houses. And of course, every four years, they will meet when they count the Electoral College when electing the president. Normally, this goes off without a hitch, but the last time they did this was quite a fiasco. So I'm sure a lot of people will be paying attention to the next time as well. Let's focus in on the House of Representatives, often called just the House. This is composed of 435 members, and the districts are based on population. So it's spread out throughout the United States. Each member is elected for a two-year term. So every two years, the House faces an election. So all members are up for election. Currently, the Speaker of the House is Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat from California, from San Francisco. Now let's jump to the Senate. The Senate has 100 members, two senators from each state. Since there's 50 states, it makes the math pretty simple. Each senator is elected for a six-year term. However, they have staggered elections, which means that approximately one-third of them are elected every two years. So one-third is up for election in 2022, Another third will be up in 2024, and then another third will be up in 2026. And of course, the senators that are elected this year, 2022, will be up for re-election in 2028. So this gives some stability to the Senate, and this is designed that way. So the House of Representatives, in theory, could be swept away, and a whole new group of representatives could be elected, changing the House dramatically, if not completely. Whereas the Senate it's much more difficult for that to happen because two-thirds of the Senate are going to survive the next election. We know that. Only one-third can be changed in any election. The Vice President of the United States is President of the Senate. So that's right now Kamala Harris. And she does have an important role that she can vote when there's a tie. If the Senate is deadlocked, 50 senators vote for a bill or a motion, and 50 senators vote against that bill or motion then the vice president as president of the Senate. It's kind of confusing the the two titles, but they can step in and vote. And that is critical for this Senate or this Congress, because right now it is split evenly 50-50. There are 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans, which means the Democrats are the majority because the vice president is a Democrat. There's also a pro tem of the Senate, If the vice president is not there, they will act as the president of the Senate. However, it's a more honorary role than really a leadership role. The vice president or the pro tem are slightly more in an independent, impartial arbiter, similar perhaps to the speaker in the House of Commons in the UK, whereas the speaker of the House is certainly a partisan leader. Nancy Pelosi is the leader of her party. So the Senate majority leader is the one who really runs the Senate. Currently, that's Chuck Schumer from the great state of New York. U.S. elections. The president is elected every four years. This happens on leap year. So the last election was 2020. The next election will be 2024. And Of course, this is the biggest election in the country, so it helps drive some of the other elections that coincide with it. 
the presidential election season starts in January of that year when the first primaries begin. So what is a primary? Unlike a lot of countries in the U.S., the voters get to choose who represents them in, within their party. And it's done by voting in, a, in an election, just like the general elections. In other countries, for instance, in, in the U.K., the party itself will choose who runs as a member of that party. But in the U.S., we use this primary system. So the year before, sometimes a couple of years before, people will start announcing that they're going to run. They usually start raising money long before then, but they will start campaigning, going across the, the nation, that sort of thing. In January, the first elections start, and they're somewhat staggered from January in the beginning of the year until the summer. Traditionally, the first primary is New Hampshire, and also Iowa has the first caucus, done a little bit differently, but the, the same result. And so the other states get to kind of watch how other states vote. And as the, the months go on, some of those candidates are going to drop away. They didn't get enough support. They realize they're not going to win or there's not enough support for them. So they will start dropping out. And even if the field starts with 15 or 20 candidates, by the time you know March or April rolls around, it's going to be a much smaller field. So each state sets the date of their own election. And some of them do it together. For instance, Super Tuesday, there's several states that have a primary election on the same day. The primaries end in the summer, and then they have the party conventions, where the winner of the primary is officially recognized, and there's lots of campaign speeches, that sort of thing. It's, it's basically a big campaign rally. It's also interesting to note that maybe only half the time are there active primaries in both parties, because usually there's an incumbent who's probably going to run. So if there's a Republican president and he's running for re-election, then the Republican primaries are, are not going to be that noteworthy because he's probably going to be the only one running or the only serious one running. And the opposite would be true as well. If there's a Democrat sitting president who's running for re-election, then the primaries aren't going to be that noteworthy. It's going to be the other party primary that people are going to be watching. And the voter turnout is probably going to be low for that party in power but higher for the party that, that's out of power. But of course, the U.S. president can only be elected twice. He can only serve two terms. So after those two terms, the primaries are wide open. So this is what happened, for example, in 2016. Obama had served his two terms, so the Democrat primary was wide open, and the Republican primary was wide open. After primary season, after the party convention, the general election is always held in November. And officially, it's the Tuesday following the first Monday in November. So it can fall anywhere between November 2nd and November 8th. Political parties. In the U.S., we have only two main parties. The Democrats, which are on the left and socialist or, or at least semi-socialist, and the Republicans, which are more center or center-right, often called conservative. And since 1860, all the presidents have come from these two parties. So before that, there were some different parties, but now it's kind of unrealistic to think that a president is going to come from a third party. Midterm elections. So midterm elections are the elections in the two years in between the presidential elections. 
And because the president isn't running, there's usually a much lower voter turnout. It's not as exciting. People don't pay attention to it as much. So there's usually a lower voter turnout. And historically, the president's party usually does poorly in these elections. Not always the case, and certainly sometimes they do much worse than other times, but usually they lose seats in the House and the Senate. They're usually not going to pick them up in this off-year election. Now, these are the two main elections in the United States, for at least for the federal system, the presidential year, or midterm elections. But of course, some states have elections on other years and on other dates. It's up to the state, and they're probably usually lower turnouts than during the presidential election or the midterm elections, but often they will have it. And of course, sometimes there are emergency elections. There could be recalls. This happened last year in the governor of California. Governor Newsom was recalled. Basically, they had enough signatures that said, we know we want a new governor, we want this governor recalled. So in California, they hold an election. And he got enough votes that he won that recall election, so he stayed as governor. If he had lost, then whoever got the most votes would become the governor until that term expired normally. Another reason for an emergency election might be if someone dies. So if a member of Congress, a senator, or a governor dies, something like that, some states they will automatically call an election. In other states, it might be the governor just replaces that member of Congress or senator until that term expires. So it's kind of up to the state how they handle it. And of course, in some states, you might have runoff elections where there were multiple candidates, none got a majority. They need another election to determine the winner. State and local elections. The biggest state election is probably for governor. Each state has a governor. But of course, they also have a state legislature. Each state's organized a little bit differently. It could be unicameral, where they just have one chamber, but I believe most of them do have a bicameral legislature. And of course, depending on where you live, there are local elections, such as for mayor or city council, or county commissioners, the sheriff. Um, If it's a town, you might have town selectmen or managers. Of course, the prosecutor, whether they're called district attorney, county attorney, or state attorney, are elected. And there are other public positions that, that are elected as well. Sometimes even state judges are elected. If you're enjoying today's episode, please subscribe. It would really help us out if you gave us five stars and a review. Remember to go to our website, 4 is in the number 4, Legal English, no spaces or dashes.com, for legalenglish.com. Check out our blog articles, available courses, in the show notes for this episode. And I encourage you to comment. At the bottom of the show notes, you can leave a comment or ask a question. This is a great way to practice and improve your legal English skills. Our flagship course that we offer is Elemental Legal English. This is a completely online course that you can complete at your own pace. It has 12 modules, which normally would be a 12-week semester course. There's plenty of learning content, as well as exercises to reinforce what you've learned. If you're looking to improve your vocabulary or understanding of legal English concepts, this is a great course to get started with. If you go to our website, look for Elemental Legal English, and I'll leave a link in the show notes as well.
2022 election. So what's going to happen in this November, in this election? Let's look at the Senate first. Currently, as I said, it's it's split. There's 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. The Democrats have the majority because the vice president is a Democrat. There are 34 seats up for election. 20 of those are currently held by Republicans and 14 by Democrats. So according to that, the Democrats would have a natural advantage. More Republican seats are up for election than the Democrat seats. But only six of these seats are what we would call open seats, where the incumbent is not seeking re-election. The incumbent is the person that has already been elected and is usually seeking to be re-elected. And especially over the last 30 or 40 years, the incumbent has an incredible advantage when seeking re-election. It's very difficult to unseat or kick out an incumbent. Once they get elected, they could be there for a very long time. So what's going to happen with these 34 seats? I looked at one website, Real Clear Politics, which has an analysis of the election, and they're calling it this way. They predict there will be 46 Democrats and 47 Republicans, and there are seven seats that are toss-ups. They can't predict yet who, which way they're going to go, which sounds pretty interesting, right? So there's seven toss-up seats, and that's going to decide who gets the majority in the Senate. Of course, as we get closer, they might be able to call some of those elections. But the last few election cycles, polls haven't been very accurate. So I think at this point, I'm not sure that I would trust any of the polls, especially when it's so close. Now let's look at the House, the House of Representatives. Currently, there are 222 Democrats and 212 Republicans. So that's only a 10-member difference. That's a very slim majority for the Democrats. And you only need 218 seats for the majority. So they don't have a lot of wiggle room. Like I said, historically, the party that has the presidency loses seats in the House in these midterm elections. So based on that and the popularity of this president, it's probably likely that the Democrats will lose power and the Republicans will take the House. But we'll find out on November 8th. For the House, Real Clear Politics calls it as basically safe seats for 185 Democrats and 218 Republicans. And remember, 218 seats is needed for the majority, and then there are 32 toss-ups. Now, House races tend to be more regional. The Senate is elected by the whole state, but a congressional district is part of that state. It's based on population, and it's adjusted every 10 years with the census. So when that new census comes out, some states are going to lose seats, some states are going to gain seats because their population went up or went down, and when that happens, those congressional districts in those states have to be redistricted. You might have heard the description of a red state or a blue state, basically meaning a red state is Republican, a blue state is more Democrat, and often that's true, and some maybe purple states are kind of in between, it could go either way, but even within that, there are some red states that may have some congressional districts that are pretty blue, or some blue states that have congressional districts that are pretty red. So it is a more regional or local election. So what will be the result after this election? It's always tough to tell the future, but it certainly looks like the Republicans are going to take the House and probably the Senate, although the Senate is much closer. 
If they do take the Senate, it's going to make it much more difficult for the president. Because even though the president has been in a couple of years, usually after the midterm election, some of his cabinet officers usually will leave. And that happens, you know, naturally, you know, over the course of his presidency, there are going to be some judicial vacancies that he's going to nominate people for. And all of those things need the Senate to approve. So if it's a Republican Senate, it's going to be much harder for his people to get approved, or at least to go through smoothly than it would be if his party controlled the Senate. The election of the senators is something definitely to watch and keep an eye eye for. Regardless, it looks like the Republicans are going to take the House. And so that means once they have the House, they can do some investigations. The House has been investigating uh, the former president and January 6th protesters slash rioters. If the Republicans take the House, that same investigative power of the House of Representatives can be used to focus on the FBI, the Department of Justice, the IRS, the tax agency, and other government agencies that are maybe not doing what the law says they should be doing. If anything will come of those investigations, I'm not so convinced, but it may be interesting to watch nonetheless. So whatever happens this November is also going to set the scene for the next presidential election in 2024. It could be that after this election, we hear from maybe Joe Biden and Donald Trump, are they going to run in 2024 or not? And if they don't, we're going to start seeing a lot of potential candidates start talking, starting to maybe raise funds, get their name out there, make some speeches and get try to get some and try to get some political support for their own campaigns. If they both run, it'd be kind of interesting to see how the primaries shake out. Will they be contested by their own parties or will their own parties kind of let them run? There's kind of arguments to be made on on either side of that of that discussion. But if for some reason they both ran and their parties didn't contest, that would be certainly the first time in my lifetime and and I think much, much longer, maybe going back all the way to Washington's election, that we really didn't have a contested primary. Like I said, often one party isn't contested if they have the sitting president, but usually the other party is heavily contested. If we have both candidates kind of just, just going through the motions in the primary without facing much opposition, that would be a first. And so I don't think that's going to happen. But what do you think? Lexicon words. So let's look at some of the lexicon words we talked about today. Blue state, Democratic Party, general election, incumbent, midterm election, political party, primary, red state, Republican Party. What questions do you have about today's topic? Go to our website, 4, as in the number 4, LegalEnglish, no spaces or dashes, dot com. Check out our blog articles, available courses, in the show notes for this episode. You can comment. It's a great way to practice and improve your legal English skills. Let me know what you think of the episode, and if you agree with my analysis or if you have a different take. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Give us five stars and a review. That would really help me out and grow the podcast.
The Four Legal English Podcast is adjourned. Don't miss the next docket call. <laughs>